Here we go. Missouri Whitetail Food Plots with Mr. Nick Percy. It's been a fun day. It's been a long day. That it has. It was only mildly eventful. Mildly. Mildly eventful, yeah. We didn't break as much stuff. <laughs> no, we did not. Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast, y'all. We are here in the Show Me State in a little motel room. Nick is right now uh, oh. taking his boots off. How's that feel? Oh, feels good. And you, uh, I think my... you, le- I think you brought in some of the food plot <laughs> soil <laughs> as yeah. you took those off. The dust when you I know, dropped them. Uh, you know, for those of you guys listening that are Western hunters and think, oh, another podcast on food plots, you guys just bear with me because this is something that is, being a Western hunter, I didn't grow up doing this. I didn't start hunting whitetail till I was 33. And, you know, it, it's it's just, it's addicting. It's something that it is. you, here we are in August August 2nd, 3rd, today's the 3rd, sorry, went to Kansas, put food plots in, now we're here, and what's crazy for me is the difference of topography and vegetation, and we're three and a half hours away from where we were, so you got the Flint Hills of Kansas, um, you know, still got some rugged country, but it's a lot of big pastures, yep. some ag, uh, some woodlots, and then we come here. And we got, I think that one woodlot there in Ravenswood is 600 acres yeah, of wood. Yeah, it's 600. Yeah. And yep. then, then we do have some, you got corn, you got soybeans, yep. but we still got draws. But it just seems thicker. It seems, you know, more... Midwest just, is definitely packed full of trees. Yeah, and and the undergrowth and all that's the bedding area. You know, it's just phenomenal. Today we met up with Ar. Uh, for those of you guys that watch the show, Aaron Ray, we call him Ar. Um, he's from Missouri. Um, been we've been doing this four or five years. I can't remember. We've been doing this a little while, and uh, what we do is. We actually help uh, Leonard Nelson and his family uh, do the deer habitat, the management for their property. They're not big-time hunters. They're all hunters, but they're not big-time bow hunters, I should say. And, um, and so for them, a lot of it's just about rifle hunting and that. And that's fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. For bow hunter, you got to put bucks in the right situation you know you gotta which we did a lot of that today as we laid out some of these plots and just to give you a little history this is um these plots all of the plots we did today are existing meaning that we've done them in the past but every one of them was expanded and um so they were larger maybe it was a half again as large or or maybe just a third as large but everything was was enlarged you know, yeah <laughs> enlarged yeah and um let's start with the quarry plot um nick talk a little bit about the layout on that and and what we did in there and why we did that i'll tell i can i can 
add in a little bit of what I've seen as far as deer movement during the rut through there. Um, but yeah, so that was the first one we did this morning. Yeah, that that particular plot is kind of an L shape with a couple extra fingers sticking in the middle of it, in the middle of the L. Um, real shaded areas, which we chose to go with the killer food plot deep woods in those because that'll grow down to two hours of sun. Um, in the primary L area, we did uh, climatize and carnage in that particular plot. It's it's a roughly a quarter acre plot, so it's not real big even with the fingers, mm -hmm. but it's ideal because it comes right off the back of a, a cornfield, which is successfully planted this year in corn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very successful. It's about nine foot tall, and it transitions right into a, a ladder stand there, and then down um, up. Well, it's actually up above that rock quarry there and i don't obviously have a whole lot of history i know i've been helping you guys yeah. with the uh with the plots a little bit but not on site so this is my first year here actually on the food plots right. participating in the planting and, and it was this is, a, this is a challenging plot because we call it the quarry because it's literally off of an old rock quarry if we would go uh, that's to the west. If we would have gone to the west more, we would have fallen off a large cliff that, of course, you can't see because of the cedars and mm -hmm. the things that stuff that's grown up in the vegetation. Um, and that's a lot of rattlesnakes. Yeah. In that in that area. I found a few but, uh, little ones today. I got chopped yeah. up in the tiller. But what uh, the, the, there's soil, but there's a lot of rocks. So mm -hmm. as we turn that soil for the first time. Um, this year, you know, it seems like every time we do it, we got plenty of soil, but there's all these rocks. And so I don't know how long we walked <laughs> around just picking up rocks yeah. and chunking them. Um, but we ended up getting a pretty good turn, probably three to four inches, maybe at some places of good soil and it's dry. It's pretty yeah. dry. So we started off again with the retain, um, put it down just with the cedar mm -hmm. And um, we came in with on that plot. We did groganics and lime. No, we did. Do we didn't no need lime? We didn't need lime. No, we actually because, did soil tests this year right. for you, and, yeah. and you were so at six point six. So yeah, we, didn't we were need it. plenty with the mm -hmm. lime. And then uh, um, Ar came in with what was you uh, unique? I'm not sure that's the way I want to go in the future. Yeah. But he had a skid steer. Yep. Track with tracks. Uh, with a tiller on the front. Mm -hmm. The problem is, if you've ever run a bobcat or a skid steer, you're you're behind you. You don't see so good. Mm -hmm. But he had to he had to back that whole thing out. So he was literally taking six foot swipes until he did it. So it, the the tilling was really slower than what we had in Kansas because we had the, the the tractor and and that tiller was eight foot nine foot across. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know, a little bigger. So you're getting more more bang for your buck. So, um, but he tilled that fertilizer and he, t uh, you know, the groganics and the lime and the, well, no, and the retain in. And then we came back in, we sprayed it with the defender, which again is more of a soil enhancement. Like we talked mm -hmm. about on last, last podcast yeah. with putting the good bacteria, all of the stuff that's really going to help that soil develop. And then, uh, and then we came back, and we've got our deep woods in those shady areas. Mm -hmm. um, and did we do any border patrol? 
Yeah, we ran Border on, Patrol. We L, we did an L shape for the approach. Right. So when you're coming up the trail, they'd be able to scoot behind. Oh, that's that right. Because to get down to the what tree we, stand what of the we were, Yeah, because that's one been an issue for us too. Because it is a secluded pl- plot. So in the past, we we haven't done any um, any border patrol because we're like, well, this is tucked back in here. You can't see it. You got to come into it. But we have to come into it. Right. The deer. Um, if they're in that area for us to get into the stand, we get busted. Right. Especially so, in the dark of the morning, right, they're usually right. on the food. So, so that is, uh, that, that was an issue, um, that we hopefully addressed. Yeah. Hopefully remedied. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then the way we do it, which I think is unique, it seems like it's a little slow going because of the tilling, but we go, we do our stuff, which is putting the the main uh, either lime or retain or the groganics that the soil building, the soil building, mm-hmm. and then we go on to the next one because then we have to wait on the the, the soil to be turned. Um, and so we went on to the pond plot, which we'll talk about in a second because I've I've got history on all of these, but I just want to talk a little bit about how the deer move it move in the quarry plot, and last year. I passed on a deer um, that ended up getting shot during rifle season, and, and uh, he was a three. We're pretty sure he was a three-year-old, and um, he actually actually was a better scoring deer than the deer I ended up shooting. But I I shot a a four-year-old, um, just waiting on those, uh, you know, the age. And how he came is he came almost skirting the quarry. And he checked around. He didn't stop and eat, but he was definitely checking that plot and then went on back through. Um, I've seen deer also come the trail we left to go to the pond plot. Mm -hmm. They'll walk up that trail and come in. I have yet to see a deer come out of the field. I've seen them skirt inside the field, but I've also seen them come... um, like like they're on the edge of the field, but instead of coming in, they just crossed that opening and kept going. Hmm. They were so they were just skirting the the woods. Is probably what they were doing. Well, I noticed with that corn that's in there, you know, it acts a little bit like Border Patrol does, and it's right. creating a tunnel between the edge of the woods right. and where the planting is. And it seems like a likely spot for them to sneak through. Yeah. But yeah, and last year it was beans. So um, of course, all of that is all of that is down. All of that is um, harvested by the time we get there uh, or get, you know, we're hunting. It's, it's all cut. So um, it is definitely looks different than how it looks right now. Yeah. But so we moved on. The pond plot sits off of another big field. There's beans in it this year. And... Um, then what we did is uh, there's some fencing some some five five wire cattle fencing that goes around and then there's this pond and it's probably what we had done was probably a third of an acre before around it but then they cleared a bunch of the brush and the big and some trees and stuff like that well it opened up we could actually then take that pond plot all the way around the pond and basically half of the pond plot so we turned it into about a half acre yeah about a half acre l total 
And then in the inside of the L is, is a little bit of timber and then the pond. Right. So, right. And then and, the bean field opens up beyond that, as you mentioned. And so. then on the other side of the fence is a good, good stand of timber mm-hmm. where we have seen, especially during the rut, those bucks just run that ridge on the other side. And what we've seen in the past sitting in the, we do have a stand right there uh, next to the pond, uh, just off of the pond where the plot would be in front of us. And um, we just have seen deer cruise that fence yeah, line. Yeah, just cruise, but just inside the timber. Mm. And so we came in this year again with a good stand of Border Patrol, making them step out. They've got to yeah. come into the plot to look at. We, we even put a few small walls mm-hmm. to make them zigzag. Z- zigzag so that we had, again, you talk about this, this isn't on the edge of the property. But you're still keeping that deer in there for time. Yes. I mean, a length of time. The longer you keep them there, the, 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 the better you are for, for having an opportunity to kill them versus them cruising so quickly yep. that they end up on the neighbor's property. Exactly. So, Well, and with that wall and the, the interior walls, it's going to force them to, to enter, but they're going to be more calm. Right. And as you know, from now hunting of whitetails for a few years, a calm whitetail oh. is a lot easier to shoot than one that's skittish as it's entering a yeah. wide open food plotter stand on edge. This country seems to have more um, topography than you'd think. You look at the cornfield, you look at a, a bean field. Bean, maybe bean's a better example because you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't see that whole field. No. You look at it on your Onyx maps or something like that, and you're like, well, this is a big field. But there's enough elevation in there that if you were sitting, not in a tree, but let's say a ground blind, on the edge of the field, you can't see to the other side because the, the it rises in the middle, mm-hmm. blocks you. So it is nice in a tree stand. You can see a lot more. Um, but the deer are at that ground level. And so part of that field why they cross that field is to see what's on the other side and that's what we're using in a situation with uh the border patrol now let me ask you this nick because of the elevation change do you see you think that border patrol is high enough if they're out in the field at that elevation is it high enough where they still can't see in it oh yeah definitely based on what i saw today because we planted it on the edge, it oh. may be on a downslope, but it's still going to get tall That's enough. True. And then, because of the way that plot fades down into the, you know, away from the field, it's high and it drops down. They definitely can't see into the bottom. Right. And both both ends of the L are close to field and or woods, and then they drop down into the middle, kind of you know i guess inverted v if you will but that forces them to have to go down and check that bottom area right. and we did put a few walls on that leg that butts up to the opposite side at the opposite side of that pond so so when they cross that field and they come up over there's a there's a border patrol entry point where we left a vo- an opening for them to enter and when they came in they have a dividing wall which makes them have to search both sides right. so yeah, we put. Sorry for the yawn, folks. It's late and we're tired. 
it's been but a long day. It's been a long day. Yeah, we'll do. We'll get into some of the antics that happened out there. But on this plot particularly, um, as we moved through it again, we did the retain. We did put lime on this. Yes. And a groganics. Ten bags. Yeah. Ten forty pound bags. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and that was again the swirl samples, and then we moved to the uh, the power line plot. And the power line plot, if you would imagine what a power line looks like, that's pretty much what it is, mm-hmm. except that it's got some rolling hills. So, you know, you could probably see the tops of, of these different hills, maybe two or three dips. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on the far, the furthest one there, you have um, the ability to see, you can see the plot from a ways away. Um, but we went ahead and that was one that was doubled also. So now it literally goes on down where you, so you probably from the road, you can't see, um, half of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't see, uh, the, the new, new plot. If you were looking from when, when you drove in. Right. Well, the vegetation is so tall, right? Right at the bottom. It bottoms out and then it starts to come and right. rise back up. So you do lose probably the bottom, probably bottom third of the new part for sure. And then when it comes up and crests, it drops back right. off where the clover is now. So right. you can't definitely can't and see that And we had a good side. stand of clover, yeah. which we chose to keep. And we came back in with the Defender and actually sprayed that. We did fertilize yeah. that also. Like organics on and, it, yeah. um and that that stand will do really well yeah and we've we have it has done well in the past deer have mowed it two or three times this year yeah 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 it's you know i could see how it could be a there was a lot of crisscrossing on that power line at different junction points um as i was surveying the edges and looking at the trail systems coming in there so what we did is we we also opted to use border patrol so that the deer can't stay inside the timber and just cruise, kind of do that drive-by, if you will, to look at the entire plot. We're forcing them out into that plot as well, but also creating that height will give them the security to step out during daylight hours. And as they're rutting and they're and they're moving from one stand of timber to the other and running those ridges, hopefully that's going to keep them in there long enough. And when they search to, to get to the point where you guys have your stand set up. And that's a really good, uh, that food plot, in my opinion, is a really good food plot to use a Montana decoy on. Mm. Because, and we did that last year, and Trav actually had a pretty good deer, and it was just at last light. And it it was one of those things where, you know, if it would have been 10 minutes earlier, he'd have shot that deer. But it was, the footage was not that great, and, and you know we knew it was a, we knew it was a mature deer and you know there was a couple things that didn't go right a younger buck came up and then um i mean literally right up to the decoy and then he saw that happen and then he entered the food plot but it was just like right at that do i shoot do i not and uh he chose not to now part of that is because they live here mm-hmm and it's in their backyard. Right. Trav and AR both. And they own enough land. Right. They've got the opportunity, okay, if they don't if they don't kill one the week we're here hunting, 
they're going to be able to hunt more, you know, and then also after rifle. Mm-hmm. I'm not. So I probably would have shot that deer. <laughs> but he had to, even with what we did last year with smaller plot, you know, got the clover, he had to, he had to come in. Mm-hmm. because he was able to see something going on through the screen because he I mean, he was literally just skirting the edge of it and then when he saw that movement he it you know he, he couldn't resist so he stepped in and it, like, apparently bowed up and they kind of squared off they never went at it but um and then that's when trav could have shot him but he didn't um so uh we've seen what deer do in regards to these food plots already. Um, be interesting to see with some of the changes, the little tweaks, the enhancement, the, the, the larger size. Uh, the larger size really just comes down to groceries. It's just well, about it's, it that, is. That, that, that food source. And sometimes though, when you make a plot bigger, it can become too big and then they can enter anywhere they want and leave right. anywhere they want and they never get to you or, right. or you know you never get that opportunity so right. that's another reason why the screening and the things that we do can steer that deer around so that make sure that if they start where you are or they end where you are they move through the entire plot and the other thing is a larger plot allows animals and you mentioned this in kansas that allows animals to socialize because mm-hmm. they're social creatures yeah. but not get too close so sometimes right. you'll have a doe or you know old couple different kind of old crotchety doe yeah. that just isn't real tolerant of the others any, any deer yeah and yeah. um we called her the red wing blackbird yeah exactly <laughs> and and so in a situation like that you've got some of those walls in there mm-hmm. so it's big enough deer can be in there together and yet not interact not conflict yeah yeah Yeah. so interesting well going back to uh, the rotation of what we did when we got all this stuff done then we jumped back over to well basically we started back again at the quarry plot and that's when we planted Mm -hmm. and um i want to talk through the process uh, which is something different that we didn't do last year here um we had a harrow which if you've ever worked with a harrow, you know they can be a pain in the butt. (laughs) But they work well. And what we're doing is um, with the larger seed, like a Border Patrol, um, what's some other that we acclimatize, we're being cautious when we come back in after it's been tilled to seed and then we're actually harrowing that larger seed in but then when you do something like uh, carnage brassicas or some of the smaller seed you don't worry about that right right well you want to harrow to knock down the fluffiness after turning the soil either disking or rototilling then you want on small seed then you would cult the pack seed and recult the pack in this instance we went ahead and dragged the plot because it was pretty rough Again, using the skid steer, kind of going backwards, it was a little bit tough for AR. Right. So we we uh, dragged it, smoothed it out, knocked a little bit of that, um, you know, that fluffiness when you step your boot, it disappears into it. That's that's too much. And so if we did put big seed, it would even be too deep. So we, we knocked it down, we seeded the big seed, we dragged it, then we packed it. And then I went back over with, you know, the carnage and, and the, uh, the deep woods in the areas that 
with and then I rolled and then you rolled it again which which basically is just getting us our seed contact yes it's just denting the seed into right. the surface and so what we need now is rain yep we do yeah and we did that with each of the plots mm -hmm. I think what's interesting is how uh, at the pond plot I lost the roller <laughs> literally <laughs> folks I, I I was doing my job I was so impressed with how good of a job I was doing and we've got this big lawn roller and I thousand pounds yeah, when it's and, full and it has a pin that apparently was not correctly well it needed some work right I go to look back the roller is nowhere to be found and of course I'm kind of on one side the guys are on the other L right there they're kind of getting things organized getting ready they're just waiting for me to finish so we can move on and I come around the corner and I'm rolling and rolling rolling you know got the four-wheeler and low and four-wheel drive because it's pretty heavy we didn't get the whole story till dinner by the way yeah yeah that's the true. true story what they, what they i didn't tell them what all they saw was i came up and said hey guys I, we need, the roller kind of rolled into the woods can you help me get it i think it was more like hey i need some help over here <laughs> yeah i did it did <laughs> so i made this corner and um i just happened to look back and there's nothing behind me and I look around, and I cannot see the roller. And this is sloped, and I was at the lowest portion of the slope, working up, gaining elevation. And then behind, directly behind me, is a fence. But it's not the five-wire no, cattle it's fence. It's a high-tensile, Yeah, two, a high-tensile, two-strand electric fence that wasn't on. But so it stands, <laughs> luckily. yeah, luckily. It stands about two and a half foot from the ground. And well, the roller pin gave way, and the cotter pin kind of bent, and it slipped, and and detached, and literally rolled <laughs> off into the woods, and it rolled like didn't even touch the fence, just rolled under the fence and off into the woods. Seventy-five, good seventy-five to eighty feet. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I at first I couldn't find it. And, and there's, a, of course, the pond, and I had been making, I think I was on my second or third big circle working in, starting from the outside, just doing the whole plot, and then next one I'm going to be a little closer, right? And the, I had turned kind of close to the pond because it stops right before the pond, but there's some elevation, and I'm like, did that roll into the pond? <laughs> that was what I thought. I'm like, oh, I am an idiot. And I never felt it. I never felt it give because the the machine was already kind of bogged down. We were having down. a pretty smooth day. Yeah. You know, I mean, we really had not too many issues. And so you kind of get in a zone and yeah, tool along and you're thinking, okay, I'm moving on to the next plot. What am I doing at the next plot? And you start right. thinking about that when you're finishing up a plot. And yeah. we, only, we only had to reseat one beat on a tire and it was on the little spreader. Yep. Put air in that. We had the little uh, portable, uh, you know, air compressor. Air compressor, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it went pretty smooth. So anyway, that was a, and I was tired. I mean, that was about four thirty-five, maybe. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, hot. It was hot. The sun was pounding us. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. definitely warm. All the clouds went away, and it was just yeah. <laughs> nothing short of just yeah. hot. 
But, but we we were able to get everything done on that side of the road. We call it the west side, and now we've got everything staged. We loaded up the the uh, track or the what am I trying to say? The, 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 the skid steer. Thank yep. you. Um, up on a trailer. All the quad. Yep. Everything. Yep. Roller. And actually, we got it. We we got to the first plot on the east side, and we've already. Uh, put groganics and lime on that and we're in a good position sprayed defender and spray yeah Yeah. and you've got to head out in the morning so we're going to get up early and go out there and finish those two plots before we head back to colorado but um yeah i i feel good again i like i'd said in kansas earlier i feel like we did our preparation we did our uh, soil samples we found out exactly what that soil for that plot needs Mm -hmm. and so we can customize it huge difference from guessing oh yeah in years past just adding lime for the sake of adding lime because you don't want to do a 20 dollars soil test and if you'd added lime you'd start jacking your right up too high right and then you'd have even less efficiency than doing nothing at all and you'd spend money where you didn't need to spend money right and so that happens more times than not. I mean, I hear that story a lot. Oh, I don't want to buy a $20 soil test. I'll put it into, I'll just buy some lime and fertilizer, throw it out there. When the reality is basically you're taking your money and your seed and your time, what's that worth? And just throwing it up in the air and right. hoping for the best right. instead of getting the best. Right. And right. a soil test can allow you to achieve a lot better success and a lot more groceries. Can you, as we're looking at the soil, talk us through what, what results we get from those soil tests and how we extrapolate information that's Mm going to be okay i need this much lime i need this you know how do you read those well so we're going to tell you your ph level and then there's going to be a that's your acidic level so that's your level of alkaline or acidity depending on the situation now in kansas we were very alkaline we were right. 7.8, which right. is extremely high. Um, I'd have been very, very concerned if we were at 8, which sometimes I've seen from customers what in do Kansas. You do, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, in that situation, normally you have to put in lots and lots of sulfur into the ground, which is a v- even slower process than using agricultural lime to raise pH. It takes... It takes a good year and you don't move it very much at all so it's a much slower longer drawn out process now soil defender one of the things that it does is it does lower high ph and it does it naturally and we do it by affecting the phosphorus calcium magnesium levels we go about doing it in a different manner Um, so that's a tool that we also used in kansas to help us bring that 7.8 down so we're going to see that and probably uh very quickly as much as or as few as 30 days or so if we retested that we'd see some more positive results now, how so I'll be long excited. will that last um like no, after we've done that will that last for a season and we'll need to do it again or will it literally change that soil to where we're getting back into the best it will fix that soil and it will get those things into that that good optimum level. range yeah. and level um but we're still going to continue to to introduce 
the defender on an annual basis because of all the healthy bacteria and energizing the dormant bacteria in the soils and all the other positives that go along with it. Defender can also, because it has a natural 777 NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash, it acts, it's a liquid fertilizer application as well, but it doesn't burn. So you can apply that to your plots as they start to grow, or maybe they stunt for one reason or another, and they help in the efficiency. They actually, um, part of the ingredients reduces plant stress and aids in root development. So um, it's definitely a product you can continue to add and it's going to continue to maintain. Um, you know, the question of do you have to apply it every single year? Um, there, you could probably do it twice a year, skip half a year and then do it again in the fall. But, you know, with all the added benefits to it, I wouldn't. But I think it's going to change. If you left the way. it alone, if you left that mm-hmm. alone, let's say you didn't plant it again, you just left the the dirt oh, alone. Yeah. Would it? Would it migrate back? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some of that that happens. Okay. Yep. There will be, but it's definitely it's not as long term as an agricultural lime for fixing pH, but it is it's faster than pellet lime and it lasts longer than pellet lime. And pellet lime, you, you got to have rain. Yeah, you need to have rain and and etc. And honestly, soil defender, the more water you can get in the ground, the more saturation and dispersion, but it's immediately goes to work. It doesn't have to be. Right because it's applied as a liquid and it gets in the soil and it starts doing its okay it's work so in a situation where i'm i'm looking at this soil sample um and it has magnesium and what what phosphorus, phosphorus and, calcium. It's, and, and it's giving me all these mm-hmm. i mean was it need to drink milk or i mean you know <laughs> so calcium. so i mean in our soil test result we try to make it a, a kind of a simple you know keep it simple kind of situation so we have very low low um uh, medium optimum high and very high and so there's a bar and it will show you and if you're if you and there's a color change so if you're in the red you're very low and you need to fix that um, for instance on phosphorus or calcium as you go down, you're also going to see organic matter because organic matter is a huge piece of the soil health mm-hmm. and its ability to hold and retain moisture and nutrients. The higher that level, the better you're going to hold moisture and nutrients. Well, below that, you'll see soil fertility guidelines or um, suggestions of basically how to go about amending your soil. The first thing is it's going to show what is required for lime to fix the pH. So in some of the situations we had on these properties here in Missouri, we had 5.3, 5.55. And so in the situation where we had five, we needed 7,000 pounds of agricultural lime, right? And a ton, 2,000 pounds. You know that's quite a bit of lime well we couldn't if we even wanted to get an ag lime spreader back in here because a it's pretty hairy just coming off the road to squeeze a side by side in some of these ravines and such but if we had done it earlier in the year for spring before the crops were in we could have gone right through the fields however now the crops are growing and many of us you know out there in whitetail land don't plant spring summer food plots we don't even plant till fall or if we have done that, 
we're going to go back and replant our fall plots and we can't access around the agricultural that's there because obviously that'll upset our farmers. So accessing, you know, like some of these properties that we were working today, you know, they were ideal for side by side or for quad with a gang disc or, or a, uh, you know, a small tiller on a small tractor, but you're not going to get a large tractor back in there. So, um, you know, sometimes you have to be flexible in what you can do at certain times of the year and, and, uh, of course be respectful of that farmer's field. So we had, you know, we definitely have had to be pretty resourceful the last few weeks working together and getting the right equipment in there. And, you know, when I'm at home or I'm out and, you know, when I'm bringing my equipment along, which I didn't bring this time, you know, I have everything I need. I have duplicates of every piece of equipment I have. And so, you know, but a lot of people out there don't have $50,000 tractors and all the implements and toys, but that doesn't mean you can't be successful in food plotting. Right, and, right. Um, you know, and, and just so people understand the way we're doing it is um, in situations like Missouri, AR went ahead of us. He sprayed the weeds with a Roundup uh, ammonium sulfate uh, mix because uh, um, we need that to be done about a week ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So he went over, he hit all the plots, basically was able to kill the the grass, the weeds, all of the stuff in there. Um, so we're not having to fight this huge bounce back of weeds. And we probably will have some weeds because when you turn the soil, you're going to end up, uh, you know. Reintroducing or right. the dormant weed seedlings right. laying there. But, but it is the end of the season for a lot of that stuff. Right. So, so that's good. Yeah. And then uh, we're, uh, he, AR in this situation, we brought the Groganics, which is the, the fertilizer and mm-hmm. stuff like that. He went and got the pelletized lime, had it here ready for us. Right. And then we had side-by-sides and uh, uh, ATVs and stuff like that, load that stuff in, do the math. What's he do? You know, and it's almost like it, you got to load it all in because it's 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes back to the to the to the barn or to the shop to to get the rest of our stuff right. if we left something um so we're, we're we're trying to think ahead but there were a couple times we're like oh crud we need one more bag of climatized and we'd go you know yeah. so we'd run back or border patrol or something like that yep um one of the things i, I real i want to go back to real quick on the soil samples um it calls for some stuff that you're like okay I need calcium. Mm-hmm. I need magnesium. Um, and it's not like we were going and adding, okay, hey, let's add our lime. Let's add our calcium. Let's add our fo- our, our magnesium. Um, we were, a lot of that was in groganics. Those nutrients were in groganics. So right. we didn't have to go out and say, oh, hey, go to the local Make feed a store trip right, and, and say hey i need this much for yep. this we were able to just go okay with that uh element or that mineral or that nutrient that we were deficient we knew goganics was going to was going to make that up right and and honestly most fertilizers are npk nitrogen phosphorus and potash that's right. it they don't have calcium we have calcium in the groganics they don't have micronutrients they don't have some of the other things the magnesiums and and so it's really important um to understand that soil sample those recommendations right. 
and you know people can reach back out to us to answer those once we do them we like to walk through that with them anyway we create that recipe of exactly what they need to do to be successful in amending their soil but also recommending the right seed selection which kfp seed blend mix makes sense for the conditions of your soil while you're amending it and then once it is amended and you've fixed the ph and you've you know essentially replaced the nutrients what can you plant long term because a lot of people are like well i want a low i just want a low maintenance food plot i'm going to plant clover when clover is actually high maintenance and it can be a little bit touch and go as far as success if your ph is too low you've got to get your soil amended at least into the high fives to six with our resurrection clover and when you talk about the clover we've had pretty good success there on that uh power line plot and yeah it looked good uh, you know i mean this is i think is the third year we've had clover and um it, it we didn't even kill it off we did at the at the pond plot because it just wasn't doing well well it was i mean it was it was growing and it, it literally was a 5 p 5.3 ph there right which is it should not even i mean most the time you're not going to grow clover at that low ph now our stuff is very very high end premium seed and you know we don't we don't uh, um, we don't we don't normally plant in that extreme of right. condition we try to amend the soil but when we do we still get success right but we opted for um, turning that under this time going back in with an annual but correcting the soil for more of a long-term right. fix with Soil Defender will get and, us there. And I'll be the first to admit that, that the clover is uh, attractive mm -hmm. because it does appear to be lower maintenance, but you still need to mow it. Fertilize you, it. Fertilize it. You still, I mean, Multiple times. Right. I mean, to you have know, it, AR mentioned he even that power line clover, he'd mowed it two to three times already this year, and but he hadn't fertilized it yet. So, no. you know, we really definitely put a heavy dose of fertilizer to make up for that well and i want to encourage people that it's okay to make mistakes you know you don't have to have that that stereotypical uh knee-high greenery that looks lush you know i mean deer recognize food as food um in, in many regards and so with that they I, I just I don't I don't want people to to not try. It doesn't have to be a golf course. It doesn't have result to result right year one. It right. takes time. It will take time. You and have you, to perfect what you're doing. We've and, made so many mistakes because a lot of it was picking your brain and um, well this is what we got so this is what we're going to try and then seeing what we got and then seeing what we could have gotten. Uh, we adjusted and that's i feel like this year again i said it in kansas i say it now this year it feels like we were more prepared um definitely we definitely had a plan mm -hmm. um part of it is how did the deer move through here and when you put a food plot in you're putting it's almost like you're changing the landscape a little bit because now there's a, a food source where there wasn't mm -hmm. um and uh, especially the, i use the power line plot because of the fact that we've there's times you can see that from quite a ways away and there'll be 20 25 deer on that and we 
so that they're, they're just utilizing it so well um and then just it'll be interesting to see what we do now that we've not only maintained the clover that they were using but we've introduced other food sources right and uh the, the and amended the soil correctly and now we just need some rain yeah and we added white rage and climatize in there which is going to give us really good complement to the clover for proteins with our climatized with the climbing vining pea forage soybean and buckwheat for early bow season which is ideal for you guys being that you're not the rifle hunters there um we're gonna you know pack in the later groceries in there for those deer with the radishes and then um the combination of our other kfp radish and our sugar beets so they will have very highly digestible good available protein as well as those vital carbs and you know we, we talked about people want to just do clover because it's low maintenance it's easy the reality is is that annuals produce more groceries more tonnage per acre in most cases at especially at the critical time of the year during the rut post rut um, if you're in the midwest and you're experiencing the extreme cold and snow um, those brassicas are absolutely vital to the health and well-being of your deer especially post rut when they've stressed themselves out they've burned 50 plus percent of their carrying capacity right. that they built all spring and summer burned up on rut and now they're in this extreme um, temperatures and situation where they need to recover and if we don't have the groceries for them mother nature's already shut down and gone to sleep for the winter there is not a lot of available food so you know most of us are thinking well, what can i do to increase my opportunities to harvest the deer i'm after um, but we also need to be doing food plots with the mindset that i'm not only increasing the opportunity for me to harvest the deer but i'm keeping the deer on my property even after the season i'm trying to make my property the place they want to be and so they become more comfortable and more uh, um more active within my property boundaries versus my neighbors and that does continue to increase your opportunities to harvest that deer or to as you mentioned have past that deer you have unfortunately in this situation you have rifle hunters that come in behind you and they harvested that deer that you passed mm -hmm. but when you have your own property or a piece of property you lease and and you're not sharing it with another party you could pass that deer up with confidence that it would right. be there next year you know right. and give give them that time to grow i think if you talk to uh, c people that consistently kill kill big deer especially in the midwest they'll tell you that big deer killed after the rut on food sources yep when they're trying to replenish all of the, that mass amount of energy they expended during the rut, and people kill them on food sources. They they kill they kill them where they're going and just trying to to to, to make recoup. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's you know when we set up a property, one of the things that we really focus on is trying to get a destination food source with bedding close by it for late season for for the. Uh, for the deer to go that we have banked major groceries not only annuals in our brassicas our you know our white rage can produce in excess of 10 tons an acre our carnage eight tons an acre uh, deep woods on some of the the areas where we have 
you know, can grow in full sun, but can also go down to two hours. So we're really banking that. But we also have our resurrection clover and our chicory planted within those annuals because those annuals are big and leafy plants. They're fairly rigid, but extremely thin and digestible. And they box out the snow. They keep the snow so that the deer are able to get to the the clovers and the chicories that are there for that recovery. Right. But those destination food plots are not hunted at any other time of the year. We stay out of them. They're kind of the sanctuary area of the property. And we have strategically placed tree stands and or blinds. And we are going in there with optimum wind with a couple different goals and, and, and uh, objectives. We need to kill the red winged blackbird does. Those does that are running and pushing and biting and running off the other deer, including your bucks. A mm -hmm. dominant doe can run every other deer off the property except her and her young or maybe be tolerant of her, her young from the previous year. And at that point, if you have not been able to kill that smart doe or that doe that, that you need to remove, that is the place you go. As you mentioned, they are going back to food. Right. That's also where you're more than likely to encounter that big buck, but don't overhunt that situation because it will not take very long for those deer to get skittish. However, you can capitalize on the fact that they need to recover. They need to build their body back up. And so if you're smart about the wind, and you have successfully placed your blind or your tree stand to those late season winds with the idea that's the only time you're gonna hunt it. And they're already there. Don't try to hang a stand and go hunt because more than likely you're gonna bump the deer and make them skittish. You can capitalize and kill that target deer you're after. You've seen the property now. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are your thoughts on destination food plots on this place <clears throat> do you think that that we have uh, again it's hard because of the amount of ag mm -hmm. in the area but when that's gone where where do you think our biggest uh bet for for that type of a food plot well, I believe we have that power line plot and I that is one long stretch of ground that gets wider. And when we left the power, power line plot, we went up and down through several of those um, elevation changes. And then when we took the right to go out kind of towards Ravenswood there, mm -hmm. that's a pretty big area there, mm -hmm. hey, but it's set far enough back off the road, it's secluded that's a potential area where you could make that into a really large multi-acre food plot with screening and protection and um, and really bank some groceries there. And you could easily slip in off the road into a blind or stand and, and make a, a, a human sneak tunnel to be able to get in there, get into a stand and capitalize on that late season. Because the cycle the placement of these food plots they're all over the property they're you know it takes several minutes as you mentioned to get from one plot to the next plot to the next plot and so when you have a destination plot it's ideally placed in the center of the property now not knowing the full layout of this it's a huge piece of ground mm -hmm. um that you may be able to have two extremely large destination plots within um, within this property to give some advantage for the approach 
um, wind conditions, et cetera, and you may hunt one one day and the other the other. You right. may have to take a couple of days off. I really see this being broken up by that 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 highway. High, yeah. So yeah. you know, I I can foresee the pond plot now with its size could become one because um, when that corner that beans are out of there, it's now large enough, um, and it's secluded. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you've got, we went in through what we call the teepee and into towards Martha, uh, a stand we call the Martha Stewart stand. <laughs> and then, um, but but the big, the new one that, that AR opened up, I think that could be one because that's, you've got like three different travel corridors. And the only reason I know that is because I've, I've been on the property. You've kind of got three different areas where where you got deer coming from over here and they naturally funnel the, through there and this is kind of all where it, it all meets so that that i can foresee that being another one which we're going to end up uh planning tomorrow we did get like i said earlier we did the, get the uh the lime and the and the groganics down um and, and, and tomorrow we'll finish that yeah. so well the pond plot if i were to make that the destination plot what i would do is on the other side of the five strand barbed wire where that ladder stand is we had to kind of mm -hmm. skirt around as we went towards the pond on the other side of that fence that's open that's open area and i would start to incorporate that side of the fence with border patrol separating it from the beans to make a long corridor that then comes into that l so that i was really putting more significant groceries and we could have some variety and diversity in the food source and then pick those deer part of the up. problem though is that they put cows in there right and yeah, we're limited. so so you, you it limits us to what we can plant that doesn't just get just gobbled up yeah because they eating or pooped on yeah they <laughs> will literally come in there and so we are uh, and I and I I guess I could have mentioned that earlier. It's a working cattle ranch in a way, mm -hmm. in the fact that they're running cows, and then we're having to really utilize inside of those fences, in order, you know, where the where the big ag fields are because they keep the cows off of that. Yeah. Where the timber and some of that other stuff, there might be seventy head of cows, and um, you know, uh, cow calf pairs are. Uh, you know that they, they'll just cut they'll come into a food plot and wipe it out they'll wipe it out in, yeah. in one day yeah yeah so so that's that's another something that i think we're probably not the only ones that have that issue especially when you're dealing with a farmer mm -hmm. and that's his livelihood right and you know he's yeah you, well, you can, have to be flexible yeah yeah you have to so. you have to flex and you know in this case the cows are off so we're coming to put those annual plots in. And again, with some spraying and prepping, and, and it may be difficult to get Border Patrol screening, but you can still bank a lot of groceries. Right. Um, and there's some great cover. I mean, the, the, the thick backdrop off that field and the underbrush in that woods and those fingers is pretty phenomenal area that, you know, by adding that additional crop, when those beans are harvested or that corn is harvested, that's going to be the primary food source for those whitetails. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a good day. It has. It's been a good day. It's been a long day, but it's been a good day. Yeah. Well, we will keep you guys uh, posted, and um, it'll be interesting as we go through the season. 
uh, you know, or or even prior to the season, mm-hmm. see the growth yep. on end of September. We need some rain right now. I think it's coming Next, early this week. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. coming and, week. And if we can get some moisture, mm-hmm. then I think. And then, of course, that that as you say, that hot days and some humidity. Oh, yeah, humidity is that that's going to come help. on August. Yeah. do your magic with and your then, humidity. Yeah, and then that's going to mm-hmm. turn around, and we're going to get some good yeah. growth because we we're a little bit late of what we would like to as far as our. Uh, our border patrol because we want to get that in a little earlier because give it more growing july time. 15th to yeah. july 20th is normal and we're you know august 3rd or so yeah. today so but as far as fall planting now is time i mean the whole month of august in the upper midwest and as you go further south you can you know definitely plant into september so um you, you've got time to put a plan together to get soil tested um we 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 literally turn soil tests around in 24 hours after they receive in our lab. And so, uh, you know, don't skip that thinking that you don't have one or two or three weeks to wait for the normal extension to do it for you. Cause that is how long they take. And I don't have time for that. When I'm doing plots, I'm going to customers, I'm going to spray, I'm pulling soil samples. I'm sending immediately to the lab and five days later, I'm there, you know, we're there putting the, putting plot, the plot in. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we understand your pain and we understand your time crunch. Um, you know, a lot of you are coming off summer vacations and other things right now, and you're trying to gear up for hunting and, and get the kids off and getting ready to go to school later this mm-hmm. month. And there's a lot of things always going on in our lives. And so we can help you with that, get that soil pulled. Even if you're going to the property, haven't got the soil test, we'll get it to you within a couple of days. We'll mail it out to you, grab the soil. We need at least a full sandwich bag full to the top. And the and we mentioned this in the last podcast, but to pull a soil sample, pull it in multiple spots, put it in a five gallon bucket, mix it around within each food plot and then put enough to fill a large Ziploc sandwich bag. And then when we send you the soil test kit, you can transfer that into our collection envelope. So yeah, and, no need to wait if you, you know, if you're worried or the optimum uh, conditions are there, don't, grab it. Don't think just because it's close to the last one that you don't need to get a soil sample there because we mm-hmm. saw in the power line plot, the new area that AR opened up it was almost like it was a totally different right we had to put 10 bags of lime on that half acre in reference to the one bag of lime we had to put up where the where that uh where the clover clover is yeah that was 6.3 up where the clover was and it was uh 5.5.1 i believe within 30 yards of each other well i mean they butted up to each other right right so yep yeah so well as always, we want to encourage you guys, uh, questions, comments, whatever, get a hold of Nick, Killer Food Plots on Instagram, Facebook. You can always uh, email Nick at KillerFoodPlots.com. Yep, Nick at KillerFoodPlots.com. And, uh, and ask questions. He's a great resource, easy to talk to, um, and, and and knows what he's talking about, but he but but you're passionate about this this is what you're passionate about and so um it's it's different than just a job yeah so uh it's it's fun it's fun to talk and strategize passion yeah (laughs) so well thanks for listening and we will keep you guys updated on how things are going and as always get out there find what inspires you find your wild and embrace it god bless we'll see you down the road